Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Report Podcast, episode 140. Benjamin Yoder here to talk to you about video games or a wide variety of, of different video game topics, I guess. Uh, looking at my list here, I actually have a, a pretty long list of notes here, but hopefully we'll only get through through most of this. Actually, not super long, but I think I can talk about a lot of these. Um, first things first, just to kind of clean up some stuff from last week. Uh, I finished my second playthrough of A Way Out with my my other friend, and and that was fun. I had a good time. I'll try to see if I can find the podcast in which I talked about A Way Out more more in depth. I tried to look for it last week, and I and I had a little bit of trouble finding it. I think for some reason, A Way Out as a keyword search on my website is just not good, and it like brought back every single podcast that I've recorded or something. So so I might just need to go back and uh and go through the history of podcasts and find if I can find exactly which one it was and i'll link that in the description if i do if you are curious about more a way out stuff um i also finished the god eater 2 character episodes nothing really new there uh the, the last set of character episodes i had were for a character called kigurumi which if you're not aware kigurumi is like a i guess you could call like a giant animal suit kind of thing i usually hear it in context of like those animal suit pajamas that you'll sometimes see at like conventions and things like that but he's like a guy in a giant bunny suit or a lady in a giant bunny suit they never say and the whole thing's like oh what is the identity of this person in the giant bunny suit and uh you know unsurprisingly for a joke character uh spoilers you don't actually find out anything about that character but it's silly (laughs) silly like you know learning or them trying to learn more about this uh this person on their team but otherwise, uh, I actually accidentally missed our last God Eater session for the multiplayer stuff because I, f- I fell asleep when I got home. So so no new updates on, on that. But we're getting pretty close to the end. I missed story mission 130 out of 160. So, you know, it's taken a long time, but we're getting there. <laughs> so that's, that's mainly the stuff I talked about last week. But I do have a few other things to talk about. Um, one is I did play some more Dojin games. Uh, one is Occult Adventure, which isn't really a game, or Occult ADV, but it's not really a game. It's more of just a prototype, and uh, it looks really good, I'll say. Presentation-wise, it looks really nice, um, but it is just very simple. Basically, you can walk around a, uh, a classroom, pick up a juice box, throw away the juice box, and then go out inside into a hallway where you can interact with a gate, which will then end the demo if you in- interact with the gate. And as you walk around, it's a horror game, by the way. And as you walk around, um, it actually, uh, I think there's a random chance every time you are moving or every time you click or something that a, a ghost will spawn or a, a like ring style lady, a schoolgirl. Um, and and they'll come and grab you and that'll be the end of the demo otherwise so it's just kind of like a a showpiece there's no real objective other than just to click on that gate and the only thing that prevents you from opening that gate is if the ghost girl is spawned you can't actually do it while she's in the same room as you so i assume the the intention is you'd go into the classroom have her chase you in there and then go out and then go click on the gate again is my assumption i never really uh bothered trying to get through the gate after she had already spawned but presentation-wise, it looks really good, and like, like control-wise, it's a point-and-click adventure game. But it also is is pretty easy to kind of move about. Unfortunately, I don't know who made it. Uh, I tried to look up online some information, and I couldn't find any information. And I checked the game I have, and I don't see any contact info. I'll have to double-check the to see if there's like a README or something. But I don't recall there being like a README file on the disk either. So. I may be out of luck of following up to see if the developer ever does anything with that prototype. 
But it was a, it's an interesting little thing, especially because of how simple it was. As a consumer who plays games, you don't really get a lot of chances to just like see weird little prototype kind of stuff that's like not really meant to be a game. Like, uh, you know, the redash thing where it's just like, you know, Beck from Mighty Number no. 9 running around kicking a can. You know, <laughs> you don't get to see those kind of things very often publicly. So it's nice to see this. And then also it's like very po- polished visually, which was kind of surprising. The other thing I played uh, is a game called Solomon Program. I forget if I talked about this on a previous episode or not. But uh, in the Atokadol community, there was this big hubbub that came up around this magazine because it included a demo key for a game that featured Atokadol characters in it. So it's like a strategy RPG, but in that strategy RPG, there's two two Atokadol girls in there. If you don't know, if you're, for some reason this is your first podcast, Atokadol is this rhythm game that I currently have an obsession over and I'm making a video about at the moment. Rowan, who's been on the podcast before, uh, offered to get the magazine for me. Uh, so he got that and then gave me the download code for the game. And it's it's kind of interesting. It's the kind of game I'm really awful at. Uh, basically, it's a strategy RPG, but you don't really control your individual characters much. They basically act on their own, and then you can kind of influence how they act through changing I guess you could call it like their AI slots. There's like a chart that they basically go through and ask questions of like, hey, is there an enemy within this many spaces of me? What type of enemy are they? Um, And then if I I confirm this type of enemies within six spaces of me, uh, what should I do? Should I move? Should I try to attack? Things like that. And and it's it's kind of interesting to see. I'm really bad at that kind of logic programming. So every time I try to touch that, I, I typically made the character worse. <laughs> so I just kind of reverted it back to the default standards for them. Um, but I, I actually liked it quite a bit. There is some player interaction while you play through it. You have the ability to trigger like certain special moves. You can also switch like the priority of certain uh action chains i guess you could call them so you can like move around what checks it does first and things like that on a turn but it just has like a really nice presentation i'm pretty sure looking at it you know and it makes sense given that there's a tokadol characters in there and if you're not familiar with oreka that's a game that's all running on the same hardware as a, a tokadol and that's like an rpg and some of the characters uh from oreka are are in uh solomon program as well and then you know some of the presentation looks very much like those two games so i I really get the feeling that this is probably the developer of uh of those two games that's working on on solomon program so it's kind of interesting to see them do a console game since both oreka and atokadal are arcade games i don't know what their actual team name is their development team in konami so i don't think they really talk too much about you know individual groups within their organization but it is pretty exciting that they have something that I can actually play at home kind of thing. I did play the game on stream a little bit. So I'll definitely link that at the end of the video version of the podcast and also in the description of the podcast. Um, it's like me playing it for like an hour. And it's 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 the first time I played the game on that stream. So I don't have quite the understanding to really explain like what's going on with that game. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it. And I don't know if I'll talk about it more in, in some other form or not. I basically am done with the demo at this point, but I feel like I could probably do more with it. I also started uploading some footage to my second channel. If you don't know, I made another another YouTube channel, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, that's like an archive channel. So I had uploaded a bunch of uh, Solomon program footage that I recorded on that channel if you just want to see some raw gameplay as well. And I'll link that in the description too. And then finally, um, I actually... F- 
got around to playing the Smash Brothers DLC. I, I hadn't bought it before and kept telling myself, myself I would. Around the time Hero was announced, I was actually like, oh, I, I'm actually really interested in checking out Hero as a character. So I played a, a handful of hours of that this weekend and and mostly only kind of touched on each of the DLC characters. But I think the really, really good ones, I'll just go in the order of, of which I believe they came out. Uh, Joker, I didn't really love. He's kind of weird because he has like a, a phase where he's like pretty weak and then he kind of goes into like a stronger phase and so you have to kind of you know time out when you try to kill people i don't know how much i like that honestly um but i think he plays fine as a character and it seems like he's you know pretty decently balanced uh hero i didn't spend a lot of time on but he just felt a little difficult to use like he, he just there wasn't a lot of flow to his move set and i and i think i just need to spend a lot more time with him but i i really had a hard time you know, using choosing his like uh, spells and skills from his menu that pops up on the bottom of the screen, and then he has a couple of charge sword skills as well that I that I just didn't really get to flow properly. But I didn't spend a lot of time with him, so I might I might sit down and and try to give him some more uh, love at some point. Banjo, I also really didn't like very much. He just felt very he was he felt very powerful. But he didn't feel like he had a, I think it comes out of the same thing as Hero, like he didn't have like a flow to him. It felt very like single strike kind of. Um, but, you know, I'm saying this to somebody who's barely touching these things. You know, what is the competitive scene of Smash Brothers? I don't know. And then there was Terry Bogard, and I really like Terry Bogard. Um, when I was playing him, he felt a little overpowered when you start using his inputs. Um, he has a lot of very explosive moves, and I feel like they're all very quick. Uh, the only thing is I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, putting in controller inputs for those kind of skills and stuff, but it's a, it's a silly enough gimmick that uh, I don't know if it really fits Smash Brothers, but it's fun that the fighting game characters have something that like, you know, closely represent, uh, how they would play in, in other games. So I did very much like Terry Bogard though. He, he's just a really strong, heavy hitter and just feels like he's really easy to get KOs with. And then finally there's a Byleth. I think is, is is his or her name, them, their name, I guess. Um, and I like Byleth a lot. I, the fact that, you know, people always are like, oh no, sword boys. I mean, uh, Byleth has a sword, but it's very minimal in terms of their, their moveset. So it, it didn't really matter that much. And, and they're a really fun character. Very slow. It feels definitely not like the other uh, Marth style characters. Like even Roy who's kind of the slow, heavy hitter of that group of characters outside of Ike, I guess. Ike might be the more more apt comparison, but but even even compared to like a Roy and a Ike, uh Byleth just feels a little a little chunkier. Um it just it just doesn't have the flexibility that those characters have. Cause even though Ike is like very heavy, you know, he has a pretty long range with like his uh side B and up B and things like that. Anyways, so I enjoyed all, all five characters to a certain degree. Um, I don't think I'll ever really touch Banjo again, and I don't think I'll ever really put the time into Joker that I would want, but I think every everyone else I would like to spend more time with, although I may have spent enough time with Terry when playing. Uh, Terry is just so devastating. I guess that maybe if I ever like sit down and just do some like For Glory online, Terry might be fun to kind of poke around, see how people exploit his weaknesses and things like that. And that's kind of it for games I played this week. So I haven't worked on any of the 2019 games, unfortunately, out of God, outside of God Eater 2. But 
we're getting there. We're getting there. Solomon Project or Solomon Program took up a, a chunk of my weekend, that's for sure, as well as the Smash Brothers DLC. In terms of game news this week, um, there's just a few stories I would like to like poke at real quick, but I don't really have a ton to say about most of them. If you didn't see the Gunvolt uh, Striker Pack, which is the, the Gunvolt 1 and 2 collection, uh, it's coming to PlayStation 4, finally. <laughs> um, uh, it's not coming to Xbox, though, even though the uh, Luminous Avenger G game or whatever it's called. I, I never know how to pronounce the XI. G, Xi, I don't know. Uh, the Luminous Avenger game, that one did come to Xbox One. It's not coming to, to the gun, the Striker Pack, so far at least, is not coming to Xbox One. That being said, any creators in a giant team, so it could very much just be a priority thing at this time. Um, I'd be really curious to see how the Luminous Avengers uh, sales were compared to, or compared between PS4 and, and Xbox One, because, you know, both PS4 and Xbox One didn't have any kind of like history of Gunvolt on them at the time. Uh, now that PS4 is getting Gunvolt 1 and 2, it does at this point, but I wonder how people just jumped in blind to that spinoff of Gunvolt onto the PS4. If you want to call it a spinoff, it's very similar mechanically to 2. The more platforms play Gunvolt 1 and 2, the better. I think it's only been on PC, 3DS, and Switch in the past, so getting it on a platform that is, you know, not a Nintendo platform or a PC platform is cool. And then there's also uh, a Captain Tsubasa game that was announced. I don't know anything about Captain Tsubasa as an anime. Um, I, I had a friend who who was pretty into it, but I never really like like asked too much about it or anything. I just knew that they liked it. Um, but this is uh, Captain Tsubasa: Rise of the New Champions, and this is a I think it's a Switch specific title right now. I could be wrong about that. Uh, but it's basically just a soccer game with like some really um, explosive over the top moves and stuff, which I think is is cool. Like uh, you don't get a ton of, I think, arcade style like sports games these days between, you know, like the FIFAs and stuff like that. Um, the Maddens, you don't really get like a mutant league football very often anymore, although I think people do try to make like spiritual successors to that. Um, so getting like anime sports games is kind of a fun thing because they are over the top in, uh, in their own way. And in the case of Captain Tsubasa, it looks very much like a typical soccer game, but you have like super moves and stuff that have really flashy animations. And uh, <laughs> some of the, the moves are, are, are really good at emulating the show's style. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Captain Tsubasa before, but that show has has a very particular look, or I imagine it was originally a manga, probably too. It has a very particular look, and uh, sometimes those looks don't always look good, <laughs> but but they they perfectly emulate it not looking very good at times. But I'm sure when in saying that they emulate it not looking good, it, it that's just a charm of the show at this point, or a charm of nostalgia around it. So being able to recreate how kind of funky those character models look, look at time is is an impressive in its own way. Remind me a lot of Ice Shield 21, which I, I thought about as well because of the Super Bowl uh, being yesterday. So that's a game I also need to get around to trying. I saw a copy of was in Japan, but I think it was like 12 bucks and that seemed a little high. I mean, I don't really know the Japanese market super well, um, but I felt like I probably could try to get it some from like at least Vink with Famicom Dojo or with uh, Japan Retro Direct uh, slightly easier. In saying that, I have not asked him what the price is, so there's not a, a quote by me of how much he charges for Ice Shield 21. But I felt like it probably was something I could get similarly priced or, or quite a bit cheaper on, on the Wii. 
also a DS version as well, but I never really bothered looking too much at that version of the game. But now that I can do DS emulation on a Wii U, I might might consider it. Actually, it's somebody who was talking to me about uh, saying that actual DS capture cards for the original DS are not that expensive. So I might poke around and take a look at that. But I, at the same time, I if it if not that quote not that expensive is still hundreds of dollars. I think at this point I'm not ready to really dump the money into that. Um, still waiting to see if there's like a 3DS solution that comes about. I'm really hoping there is. I haven't been keeping an eye on it, but last I had heard, basically one dude was looking at making his own 3DS capture cards, but also said it was like 36th on his list of things to do when he's not at work. So, and finally, one other thing that I really, I really can't say too much about the story itself is that Beep is uh, publishing a game called Govellus. I believe it's just a redistribution of an old 1980s MSX title. And uh, yeah, I guess I just wanted to kind of use this opportunity to say that Beep is a very like interesting place. It was one of the places I, I really wanted to go to while I was in Japan. I don't remember if I talked about it much uh, when I talked about my like Japanese shopping stuff. Uh, but that's a really, really fascinating place to go to. And like... Seeing them do these like little independent publishing projects with like Cotton and things like that. Um, I think Cotton's like a, that's that on-rail shooter with like the witch girl, I think, right? I don't remember, man. <laughs> but when I was there, they did have like a bunch of like original works and stuff like that. And like board games that were based off old, old uh, IPs and things like that. And, uh, you know, had PC-98 and PC-88 games and stuff like that there. It's, it's a really, really interesting shop. And I also felt like the prices didn't seem that that crazy, at least from like a lot of the stuff I looked up on online later. It felt like their pricing was pretty reasonable. But maybe if you're there to like, you know, buy stuff that is, you know, buy PC-98 games, you're not necessarily purchasing what normal things are. I wasn't like looking at the Super Nintendo prices, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know, <laughs> looking at the pricing of things that would be more desirable overall, probably. I was, I, I guess I was just really surprised though. I, I would expect Beep to have marked up a bunch, but even when I was looking at their PC-98 games, the, the pricing on it compared to like Traders, I think is where I got my other PC-98 games, was significantly less. Uh, the only reason I didn't buy most of my stuff from Beep for PC-98 games is because the days that I was planning on shopping for those, uh, Beep was actually closed because of the holidays and stuff like that. But yeah, interesting store, basically just like a mix of a retro PC and gaming store kind of thing. You should look it up if you haven't heard of it. <laughs> and in talking about Beep, I actually um did start to actually set up my PC-98 a little bit. I uh, went ahead and put the sound card in, which was surprisingly not difficult, but it was uh, kind of scary because I was trying to put the, ca- the card in. And it wasn't like going in all the way. Apparently, I just needed to push really hard to get it in there. Um, and it eventually sl- uh, slipped in. Um, and, but the next part, you know, problem I have is a, um, I need to figure out the power situation with it. I do have a power cable that came with it along with like a little grounding wire kind of thing, but I need to make sure that, you know, how I'm hooking it up, isn't going to blow everything up. So I got to do research on that. But before that, I decided to go ahead and work out the video situation, which if you don't know, uh, I think it's like a, a 15 pin RGB monitor kit port is on the back of that thing um so i'm basically what i'm trying to do whether or not this works or not i'm not sure yet but what i'm trying to do <laughs> is uh i'm converting that that uh port into like a vga connection which i'm then connecting up to a uh it's called like a sync combiner 
Um, I bought it from the same company who, who did the uh, Dreamcast box I have, VGA box I have. Uh, I think it's like Bear Bros or something like that. It's like a Turkish uh, company. So then I bought that sync combiner, which I then had to buy like a power adapter for because I'm pretty sure it's not like the, the, the VGA cable, even though it technically can send power through it, to my understanding, uh, is not, it probably won't actually be sending any power through it. So I went ahead and bought an adapter to connect to the sync combiner, which then will feed into my uh, current setup through uh, my SCART connections. But, you know, it being a Japanese SCART um connection i have to like convert it to or i have to convert it from a european skirt connection to a japanese one so i can get it to my frame meister but really the biggest part that i'm doing is the convert converting the actual port to vga and then also connecting that to a sync combiner and and stuff so so i think that should work i mean the, the thing is is that when i look up pc98 like connecting that to modern tvs I didn't really find a lot of like direct resources of like, hey, this is how you do it. Uh, it's more of people who have tried different things and have gotten it to work. A lot of the times, I think people are are not trying to capture footage when they do it. So, so it's a little, maybe a little more information that I need to set it up on my side. Uh, a lot of the posts online I saw were just like, hey, you need to buy a compatible NEC monitor or whatever. But that obviously doesn't really help me in terms of capturing the gameplay. So right now I'm mostly just focusing on trying to figure out how I can get that that gate or that console to feed directly into my capture setup so I can A record it and then B just to play it on my own TV screen if possible. I'd rather not buy another another CRT monitor kind of thing. I don't really have a good a good pivot for this, but one other thing I've been doing as well is uh like I said before in a in a previous podcast uh, trying to get back into speedrunning or like watching speedrunning a little bit, not actually speedrunning. I've only ever done one speedrun in my life and I, I beat Ocarina of Time like 42 minutes or something like that <laughs> at some point. But um, but yeah, I've been watching uh, speedrunning stuff again. I think Zelda is just like my comfort zone in terms of speedrunning stuff because, you know, all the games run on a similar engine. Uh, it's interesting to see like what tricks carry over between them all and also what's what's different at the same time and I and I actually have experience watching a lot of Ocarina of Time speedrunning as well as Wind Waker speedrunning a L- little less so Majora's Mask and Twilight Princess uh Skyward Sword also a little a little light on that although I feel like I feel like I have a decent understanding of what goes on in a Skyward Sword run um but so mainly I've been watching like a uh, ZFG with like Ocarina of Time stuff recently and then, uh, and then, uh, I think it's like Linkus for, for Wind Waker and, and Jim, Jim Nas, Gymnaster or something like that. Um, so that's been, that's been, uh, you know, somewhat fun. It's interesting to see how those games have developed and, and it's been a very interesting time to come back to Ocarina of Time right now because there's, uh, basically they found a way to write code to the game at this point. Um, you know, it's, they call it ACE, which is like arbitrary code execution kind of thing. So it's actually knocked down the any percent speed run to like, uh, if not less than 10 minutes, pretty dang close to 10 minutes. Um, and they basically do a bunch of stuff to, uh, to write a bunch of code to the game using like a slingshot and, and the file names of their, uh, of the, uh, files on their system. I could go more in depth to it, but I'd probably butcher it anyways. But uh, but it's been interesting to see. It's been a it was a good time to come back to it because there's just so much development happening right now, 
And uh, also, I was also looking at one of Link's stream for Wind Waker tonight, and it sounds like a lot of stuff's happening there, too. Like, a large portion of the back half of the run sounds like it's it's being changed about due to some new skips they found and things like that. So, enjoying that. I don't know if there's really anything I'll ever be able to say about speedrunning long-term. That's interesting beyond me just being like, oh, I watched the speedrun. It was pretty cool. <laughs> um, but... But I am enjoying it, and and it's thankfully, you know, I've been needing stuff to have on in the background for a while, for a long time. So I'm glad that it seems like speedrunning is sticking right now. Like I said, very interesting time in the Arcane of Time and Wind Waker speedrunning uh, spaces right now. And those are also, you know, just happened to be the two games I was most familiar with in the past. <laughs> so, so, you know, once things settle down in that space, you know, will I continue to want to watch it? We'll, we'll see. It's, uh, it's nice to have it on the background, though, while I'm, I'm working on other things. Speaking of working on other things, a uh, couple couple things I'm doing right now. Uh, a token all script didn't really move from last weekend, but that's fine. I made a good good progress on it last weekend, so I didn't I didn't mind so much that I didn't really touch it. Uh, the the big progress I made this weekend is a uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Two Torn of the Golden Country video. I'm about three fourths of the way done through the initial draft of the video itself. I had to make some some late last minute adjustments to the script. Uh, I think it's one of those ones again where the the, the script kind of came together somewhat quickly at the end and and so while I'm editing the video I'm kind of noticing some of the the bits and pieces that I, I might want to change because I didn't really give myself the time uh in the in the main uh text editing process so so I'm, I'm doing some hot adjusting at the beginning of the video but I think it's it's come together pretty well and even though it's one of those hard things because like it's been so long since I've played the game. I had written down my thoughts before about the game, but it's been so long since I've played it. It's a little hard to be passionate about the video and it's right now. And when I was editing it, I, I felt a little like, oh man, is this going to be any good? But in, in rewatching what I've done so far, I feel pretty good about um, at the the work that's gone in it to, you know, at the moment. So obviously I don't think it's what people want from me 100% because, you know, they want, you know, random obscure Japanese games but I I it's been something I've been wanting to get off my chest for a long time is talking about that game so hopefully you know if you if you value my opinion <laughs> even on on more popular games uh hopefully you'll watch it and, and enjoy it I think I think Torn of the Golden Country is a a great entry in the, the Xeno franchise if not one of the best but yeah and then also, I mentioned it last week, I am I have a second YouTube channel that I've opened up called uh, OCP Archiving, which is One Controller Report Archiving, and I'm basically just uploading, uh, right now, stuff that's a little harder to find, so you have uh, Tokodol gameplay there, I also uploaded all my Solomon Program gameplay there as well. Um, and I, as of this recording right now, I've uploaded the 24 Tokyo uh, playthrough I did but uh, I, I plan to just upload, I think, all my footage there, like, like, uh, which might seem a little wasteful, but the, the logic is, is that, and I could be wrong, maybe, maybe this exists on the internet somewhere, but um, something I had trouble finding was I had this weird desire to just, like, watch random video games without, like, any, any context or logic, so yes, I can find... 100 PlayStation 1 games or something like that and then and just like you know select that um and, and watch a video of like somebody showing off 100 PlayStation 1 games uh but I wanted like a playlist that was literally just like here are video unorganized video game gameplay it's here 
you want to put it on shuffle and just like end up, you know, clicking through these videos, you know, you could do that. And so I'm kind of just uploading this like giant playlist of stuff. And I'm not aware if YouTube has any caps on playlists, but, um, but I kind of just want a, a giant playlist where you can just click shuffle and you just get like a random bit of a game kind of thing. Uh, it probably won't be organized. I very much is not going to be organized probably. Um, and a lot of times the games may not even be labeled early cause I'm just dropping them in there from my, uh, from my video folder. And I don't know if it will really serve my purpose very well, like in terms of what I want to watch. Um, because, you know, obviously I've already played all that stuff. So in watching randomized footage, I don't know how much value I'll get out of it, but my website is basically me just trying to do things that I, that I personally would desire for content. <laughs> And apparently that's what, what I what I've decided that I'm doing at the moment. So, um, like I said, that's going on an alternate YouTube channel though, so you don't have to worry about your your current YouTube feed being flooded with me just uploading a bunch of raw gameplay for a bunch of stuff. I'm still trying to brand the account. I I, I figured I'll probably use the same logo, but maybe a different color version of the logo. I haven't really figured that out yet. Um, but right now it's just pretty pretty plain. Just set up some playlists on it, things like that. And uh, thankfully, it's pretty easy to just basically set stuff to upload and then, like, forget about it. Um, you know, how my bandwidth feels about that, that's a whole other thing. But, but you know, it's it's fine. And that's kind of it for this week. Like I said, uh, last week I did that Solomon program stream. So if you want to check that out, it's there. Um, I also did a, a, in that same stream, but I split it up into two separate videos at this point. Uh, I also did a second part to my Dojin game uh, pickups video. So if you want to see some stuff there, you can you can do that. Um, and then also, and that's just like the weekly stream sections of both my website and YouTube. Um, also, um, you know, I'm still working on that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 video. So that's that's kind of long. And I'm hoping that's going to be done early, early this month. I, I would rather get it. If I can get it out the second week of February, I will do that. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see where I'm at, you know, cause I haven't finished the complete draft of the video yet. I don't have a hundred percent certainty that I'll be, be done super soon, but looking at what the video is and how much is left, I get the feeling it will be ready sooner rather than later, but I'll give you updates as that comes along. And then hopefully we can you know get some actual real content on this channel rather than just podcasts and streams all the time. <laughs> Although it seems like people are enjoying the Dojin game streams, which, which makes me, makes me happy. Um, we'll be returning back to Martian Gothic next week though. So, um, so if you were interested in where Martian Gothic was going, uh, feel free to tune in next week at Thursday or this week rather, uh, Thursday at seven o'clock Pacific time. And, uh, like I said before, or like I've said other weeks, I guess, um, uh, the podcast, if you, if you don't already know, it goes up every Monday at 9am Pacific time as well. And that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for coming. Uh, hopefully <laughs> my sleep schedule is basically fixed at this point, but at the same time I get tired super early because I'm on an old man sleep schedule now. <laughs> so, so it's a little, a little difficult to function, uh, at the times I normally would be, but I'm also waking up quite a bit earlier. So I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, honestly, <laughs> but <laughs> probably a good thing for my, my, my sleep balance in life. But yeah. Anyways, thanks again for coming. WonkaShortReport.com is the website, and I hope you have a great week. Bye.